Garage Takes, episode 18. Brant, we are back at it. I'm in my freezing cold garage, back where this whole thing started. How are you doing this evening, my friend? Doing good, Dave. Good to see you, man. Good to see you, too. Let me ask you this. This past Sunday, when you woke up in the morning, did you feel any different? Did I feel like a winner? Hell yeah, yeah I did. <laughs> hey, who's got it better than us? <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then you couple that with a Lions win. Are you kidding me? Oh, what yeah. is this, cloud nine? Yeah. Yeah, that was that was something for sure. Um, man, I, I don't know. I, I mean, I know we're going to get into Michigan football. I mean, the season is the regular season and conference championship games are, are done at this point. Uh, we definitely we have to take a look back. There's a lot of videos out there right now that are just like reflecting on from last year all the way to where we were this past weekend in Indy steamrolling Iowa 42 to three at Lucas Oil Stadium, which was just outstanding. Now you're talking about a, a chance to play with the big dogs, um, literally play in Georgia and uh, having a chance to play to get to a national championship, which is just insane to me. So we'll talk about Michigan. We will recap Michigan State and uh, their 10-2 and season, their upcoming Peach Bowl game against uh, Pittsburgh. Some thoughts on the the Heisman. We know that this upcoming weekend you've got uh, some Heisman candidates that will be traveling to New York and some who are not traveling to New York that may have left a sour taste in some some fans' mouths, especially in this uh, local area here. Uh, talking about college football playoffs, the matchups, kind of how the committee went with the final seeding of things. And then, Brant, I want to – there's just a topic that I want to talk uh, talk about, just about the bowl games in general, you know, at the end of this and what the long term of it might be and just some some implications that, that we might be seeing unfold here this year and we've kind of been seeing coming for quite a while now. But before we get into that, Brant, I asked you when you woke up Sundays, you feel different. I hope you felt like a felt like a champion when you woke up, man. You we've been waiting a long time to wake up and be Big Ten championships. It's been almost twenty years. How'd you feel, man? How'd you feel watching that game? Like first half, second half. When did you know this thing was in the bag? And when did you when when did you know like, yep, this is it. The time is now. It really hit me when Donovan Edwards hit Roman Wilson on that, you know, 50-yard pass that went in for six. Um, when th- when that moment happened, it almost felt like, okay, Iowa, they're not a high-scoring offense. They can move the ball, but they don't really move it at an incredible rate. So I just really felt like after that big play, you went up 14-3. Um, Michigan could do their job and just walk out with a win at that point. But, you know – watching the second half and the schoonmacher one-handed catch and then the Eric all touchdown one-handed catch. How great was that? Um, and the offensive line doing the, what the offensive line has done to every other big 10 team really um, in just dominating fashion. Uh, you know, for me, it was um, a little bit disbelief at the end of it. Like, is this really happening? I mean, that's what it felt like. It was like, you know, Everything, every season as a Michigan fan, the last 20 years has just kind of ended the same way. Uh, you can either lose to Ohio State or you lose in a bowl game, and it's just kind of over and done with. Um, but this year, uh, you know, Harbaugh and the whole entire staff gave us a reason to believe down the stretch. 
And this is what I think was really fun for me, Dave, was I got to sit there and watch the Maryland game. That was like, I got to kick my feet up, enjoy a beer and not have a close game. Like how awesome is that? Like that's like what Alabama fans get to do every single week, basically (laughs) is get to throw your feet up, beat a good team and, and just call it good. Um, you know, in the Ohio State game, people were kind of pulling their hair out, but it wasn't really that close. It was more of a domination. And in this Big Ten championship, it was the same thing. So now am I supposed to let me ask you a question? Am I supposed to get used to this is what I should see every single week out of these guys? Uh, obviously, no games until we play Georgia. But I mean, if this is what we should come accustomed to as fans, I'm here for it. That's awesome. Um, and I really think that if you are a Michigan fan, soak in these moments because we know just how few and far between they can be. Absolutely. And I think that, you know, Curdy sent me this video, which was just awesome. That kind of just encapsulated the whole season to me. And it was the title of it. It kind of went viral. It said from 2% to number two. And as you know, Michigan ended as number two overall in the rankings uh, and number two, obviously, in the college football playoff scene. And but they were given a two percent chance before this season started by ESPN's rankings, a two percent chance to not not win the Big Ten, two percent chance to win the Big Ten East. And and I, I wouldn't fault anybody. I mean, when I go back and listen to our episodes back in, you know, August when we first started this thing before the season started, I, I mean, I mean, have any reason to be optimistic. You're coming off a two win season. You know, the questions are surrounding Jim Harbaugh wasn't even questions. I mean, like fans like me, I mean, I was guilty of it. I'm like, why bring this guy back? But also, like when I said that, I think I also mentioned, I don't know who else you're going to get. And it was just like just a tough position to be stuck in. It's just like every year, same old, same old, even when we're quote unquote good, we don't beat Ohio State, we lose in the big moments and it's just like rinse, wash and repeat. And so I don't I don't fault the media or people's expectations or Michigan fans being down on this program. There was no reason to believe. Um, and so from two percent to number two in the country and with just a ton of signature wins, you win at Wisconsin, you win at Penn State, you beat Ohio State, you absolutely roll in the Big Ten Championship against, sure, we knew Iowa didn't have a great offense going into the game. We talked about that. You know, when this game, I texted you guys when Michigan went up 14-3 to after that pass, and I said, game's over. Because I knew, like, Iowa doesn't have the offense to, to come back. But the, the point is, is that, like, they won in a dominant fashion. And um, there's no there's no questions about this this team. Are there questions moving forward about the the program the direction of it you know you're seeing Josh Gaddis got like the uh you know the coordinator of the uh of the year rightfully so um but you know there's questions about him potentially leaving for uh for other head coaching vacancies potential so you don't know what's going to happen with some of these assistant coaches and where they might end up I don't know if this was just one season or if we can expect this year in and year out. Uh, but man, it felt good. And, and it felt good to watch these games and just genuinely feel like something was different this year to feel like, you know, to your point of the Ohio state game, like there, I think the reason why people felt like, and people like myself just felt uncomfortable the whole time. Cause you're right. It wasn't that close, but it was just almost that, like that moment where we watched them all year, they were 10 and one, 
still had a little bit of that sour taste from the game against Michigan State and how they, you know, blew that 16-point lead. And you're, I still had that taste in my mouth. And you just kind of kept waiting and waiting for something to go wrong or Ohio State to start busting things open. And it just didn't happen. And, you, and to the credit of this team and this coaching staff, it didn't happen all year. They face adversity all year. The players are absolutely right when they get on that stage. And you've got Aiden Hutchinson saying, nobody believed that we would be here on this stage tonight, but we did. We showed up every single day. We were grinding together in the weight room, at practice. We knew, Cade McNamara knew that this team was different. And we've heard it before, by all means. We've heard it from different Michigan teams, from different Michigan players. But these guys backed it up every single week. And I think that this 2021 team will be remembered similar to the 1997 national championship team. I really do, because I think that this potentially is a turning point in this program. We'll see. We will, we will see. But I think that you've got so many young, talented guys on this team, even as these players are leaving, that I don't know if we'll replicate a 11-1 season in a Big Ten championship next, next season by any means. But I think that the players we have on this team knows what it feels like to win. They know what it feels like to compete, to have confidence, to, to genuinely not feel like they have a chance, to feel like they're going to win these games. They feel like they're going to beat Georgia. And I know we, we've got a few weeks to preview that game. We're not hitting Michigan and Georgia hard this episode. But I tell you what, when I hear these players talk and these coaches talk, they feel like they can beat Georgia. Georgia's been the number one team in the country all year long, 12-0. and 0. They obviously looked bad against Alabama and lost, which dropped them to the three seed. Michigan doesn't care. And, and if I'm any other team in the country right now, I don't. Michigan is the team that I don't want to play. They're the hottest team in America. So I that is my long-winded take on this Michigan season to say, um, guilty as charged, I will admit it. I will eat my words. They have been recorded on every podcast episode. I have had doubt. I have had a cloud over this team and this program because of really my thoughts on Jim Harbaugh and what I've witnessed over the years. They've proven me wrong, and I'm so glad that they did, man. I I am genuinely just enjoying this moment right now. Dave, and I don't have many words to eat because while I'm not a Michigan slappy, like I don't just, you know, think that everything's going to be great all the time. Uh, you could kind of see Jim's moves that he made in the offseason. Everybody was apprehensive about it still because they haven't seen it work yet. But credit to him for actually going out and doing it. A lot of guys would just either do two things, wouldn't change, right? Or they would just give up and be like, well, I'll go look in the NFL or I'll just go retire for a little bit. Maybe I'll have a health reason. Shot at Urban Meyer. Um, you know, or they just want to get out while the getting's good um, while well, he didn't have, have anything good to get out on. But, you know, he could have saved himself a lot of heartache by not coming back. You know what I mean? So, um, you know, I wasn't always 100 percent with Harbaugh, but I, I was in that camp of I don't know who we're going to get then. I mean, so it was one way, two ways to look at it. So um, congrats to him. And, uh, you know, when you talk about what what else could we be looking forward to besides playing Georgia? 
Like Georgia's not looking forward to playing Michigan for sure. I don't think anyway. I think they're looking at it, and you said the hottest team in America, right? Well, Michigan's going to be told that probably Georgia will win, but you know, you guys do have a shot. And when you have a shot, man, and this team is dangerous. So this team's going to get a fed a lot of you are the underdog. You guys are not supposed to be here. A little bit of house money. House money is dangerous money, man. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. Just enjoying this moment. I don't I don't ever want. I'm glad we started the podcast this season out of all seasons because 2021 like I will we'll never forget this. Just like when we were kids, that 1997 team. Remember Chuck Woodson like it was yesterday that all those guys out there like. Absolutely. Yep. So, all right. So moving on from, from Michigan and we will circle back around about uh, the matchups kind of where the committee landed and uh, talk, uh, talking a couple other things, Michigan football as well here in a bit, but let's talk Michigan state because we are in the beautiful state of Michigan and there is another team in East Lansing who had a heck of a year. They finished 10 and two. We talked uh, last week. They, you know, their key signature wins or the key Mel Tucker wins, you know, this season after all the transfers that he brought in, he beats Michigan, he beats Penn State, and they draw Pittsburgh in the Peach Bowl. And, you know, I think that if you're he got paid too, right? He got like a 10-year, $95 million contract. Um, Brand, they're going to be – here's one of my questions for you. So they're obviously going to be losing some guys right? They're going to be losing Kenneth Walker, um, who was a Heisman hopeful. And they're obviously losing a lot of other guys as well, but they're also getting some guys back. Peyton Thorne will be back. What do you think? So what do you think Mel Tucker's strategy is going to be heading into next year? Like in terms of recruiting, do you see him going hard at the transfer portal again? Do you see him maybe targeting five, six guys, and maybe he's able to attract some more recruits on his own because of their success this season. What do you, what do you see uh, Tuck doing uh, this in this off season and moving forward into next fall? Dave, last year was a complete overhaul of the roster. Basically. Uh, I don't see that happening again. Uh, I think he can pinpoint now some of the deficiencies that he'll have I think he'll go after some linemen. I, obviously, he's going to go after the secondary. Um, and I think he will do a little bit uh, with the running back position. Um, although he's got a couple good backs there still. Um, one in Collins, for sure. Uh, you know, he's a good back. Uh, but, you know, there's going to be some offensive holes to fill, too. Wide receiver is going to be one if Reed and Naylor both leave. Um, tight end has been a problem for them all season long. Uh, you know, they're starting, you know, Connor Hayward there, and he's not a tight end. Uh, so they didn't have a big play guy there. So while the secondary is going to be the first thing that he's going to try to fill, I think he looks at the defensive line a little bit, and then he moves over to the offensive pieces. Uh, but I could see somewhere in the range of like 10 to 12 players instead of like 20 to 25 players that he's bringing in uh, to flip this. So I think that he's going to cool it down. And, and one of the reasons that he does that is probably to keep some of the recruits happy and in, in house there, because if they keep seeing the transfer portal work like free agency, nobody's going to stick. And then you're going to have to put it together on the fly. And then you'll end up with a bad secondary or a terrible defensive line or, or terrible receivers or something like that, that you just can't piece it together like that. Uh, without the recruiting piece. So the recruiting piece is going to be crucial to keep uh, guys in certain spots. Uh, um, 
So I think that's the way that he treats the transfer portal this coming year. Yeah, I think that secondary has obviously got to be the priority is like the the sole reason for the way that season ended, uh, you know, against a, a blowout against Ohio State. Obviously, they, they did what they needed to do against Penn State. That was a really good win. Uh, but that secondary is atrocious, and that has got to be priority number one. And I think he's going to have to hit the transfer portal again uh, to get some experienced guys, like some some grown men that are third year guys, fourth year guys. They may they may only be there for a year, maybe two years tops. That are experienced. That you know, because Michigan State is in win now mode right now. Like they're not in some rebuild. Like you know, this is Tuck's second year. They're ten and two. Like he's trying to win right now. So I I think that he will definitely hit that portal hard again. And I think that he's got to be. If that's going to be his strategy, and it obviously worked this year, uh, my question is, and my wondering is, like, over the next, like, because he's going to be here a long time, you know, if Michigan State has anything to do with it, that contract they just gave him. I wonder, you know, three to five years from now, is the strategy still the same? Does he taper off from going hard at uh, at the transfer portal? Because at some point, you've got to... You've got to also, you know, groom the guys that you've recruited your your yourself. I think anyway. So I'm I'm interested to see how that all how how all of that plays out. But his number one hit in the transfer portal this year. Shifting topics here. Kenneth Walker, KW nine. Brant. They announced the Heisman candidates were traveling to New York. Kenneth Walker was snubbed. They took four guys. They didn't take five. Kenneth Walker was not one of them. Um, Aiden Hutchinson was go blue. And I think rightfully so he deserved to be there. Um, Bryce Young out of Alabama, certainly the, the favorite, but so Kenny Pickett got it. I know they're playing Pittsburgh. We're going to talk about that, you know, shortly, but my question to you, Brandon, on the Heisman, and I know how, from what I've heard down here on the radio, it's very clear how Michigan State fan feels. And I want to know your thoughts. If you had votes to get guys into New York this year, would you have done what would you have would your votes have landed the way these four did? Or would you add somebody like a Kenneth Walker? Would you replace him with somebody who they brought in? Would you bring in five? What would you do? I would have brought in the five, um, but you know, that's it. If I, if I could do that, I would just do that. But if I had only three votes, this is the way I would have voted. I would have went young Walker Hutchinson. Um, and I wouldn't have put Stroud in there or Pickett. Um, I thought that if you're going to crush Kenneth Walker for not showing up in the biggest game of the year, neither did CJ Stroud. Really? You stole my at- take. <laughs> you stole my take. I was going to say the same thing. Yeah. Neither did C.J. Stroud, really. I mean, he folded against Michigan, really, and he folded against Oregon. And and sorry not to cut you off, but okay. on top of that, Kenneth Walker didn't get the snaps against Ohio State because right. they got down early real quick and were for – I mean, they pretty much did what we said. If you do this, you're going to get murdered, and that's what happened. They got down early and then decided they're just going to have to get in a shootout with Ohio State, which did not go well. Yeah, and to me – I am not as much a numbers guy as I am what I see guy. And so what I saw was Kenneth Walker put a team on his back. What I saw was Bryce Young put a team on his back. What I saw was Hutchinson put a team on his back. So those three guys to me separated themselves by putting teams 
onto their back and getting them through games. I mean, Michigan doesn't win at Penn State without Aiden Hutchinson. They flat out lose that game. Uh, Michigan State doesn't beat Michigan without Kenneth Walker, obviously. Um, and, and when you have those moments that I think transcend you into what should be a culmination of a great season in New York, a great moment for a kid, uh, I think it's a travesty that Kenneth Walker was left off. And uh, really, even as a Michigan fan, when you sit back and look at it, those were the three players that made the biggest difference in the college football season to me. Yep. So I'm not a huge stats guy though. I I, I'm the same way. And to me, Heisman should mean most valuable player Heisman equals MVP. And so the last thing I want to hit on this Heisman, just to hear your, your thoughts on it. Cause I actually, I, I agree with everything that you just said. I would have voted the exact same way for the exact same reasons. And I have the exact same questions about, you know, why Kenneth Walker wasn't in there, uh, but you put C.J. Stroud. It just doesn't add up besides the fact that, you know, this is a QB award. They want to give it to a quarterback. They wanted C.J. Stroud in there. I don't care what anybody says. Um, I've also read some stuff about how could you put Aiden Hutchinson in there but not put Will Anderson in there from Alabama and because he had one more sack than Aiden Hutchinson did. He had more tackles for loss than Aiden Hutchinson did. What do you say to Bama fans that are that are questioning why Aiden Hutchinson would get in over like a Will Anderson? Don't play an FCS school in November is what I would say. Don't don't do that. Um, a lot of his numbers look a little more inflated than what Hutchinson's are. You know what I mean? And so when you look at the strength of schedules, um, you know, Alabama was a little bit better than Michigan. Um, But like I said, it doesn't come down to the stats always to me. It was that I saw him off the edge every single time. You know what I mean? And he doesn't have the interior players like Alabama has given him that help as well. So to me, those are a couple of things that kind of separate it. I agree. And also, once again, MVP means you, I don't want to say solely because football is certainly a team game. But Aiden Hutchinson put Michigan on his back this year. He was a leader. Bryce Young, absolutely. Kenneth Walker, absolutely. Pickett, sure. Like, yes, I, I'll give him his props with what he did with Pittsburgh, his little fake slide last weekend. Um, but Will Anderson, did he put Alabama on his right? No, I, I have a I've got a hard time getting behind that. I'm not a I'm not huge on the whole stats conversation either in that sense. But Dave, I mean, down the stretch when they played um, New Mexico State, you know what I mean? Like he doesn't get a chance. Hutchinson doesn't get a chance to play New Mexico State in November and get six tackles for losses and three sacks. You know, that that easily could have happened, but that just doesn't happen to inflate the stats because he doesn't get that game. So that's a little bit of a difference between Will Anderson and Aiden Hutchinson as well. Right. Right. Yeah. No, I hear that. I've also heard, well, look at who Michigan played in September and look who, you know, Alabama played. Um, didn't they play Clemson? Like, no. Oh, they, they didn't. Oh, no, that was Georgia who played Clemson. Yeah. Never mind. They played Miami. Miami. Thank you. Yeah. I'm like, okay, that's still, thank you. Yeah. Miami. I'm like, that still doesn't, I don't understand. Well, I, don't, I don't think they're going to a bowl game. Maybe they are, but if they are, it's not a very good bowl. Yeah, they they might have. Exactly. Exactly. Oh. Yep. So the committee, the college football playoff committee has, has spoken Alabama 
gets the number one seed. They destroyed Georgia in the SEC championship. They jumped Michigan, who was already at number two, um, because they beat the number one team in the country, apparently. And Michigan stays at two, even though they win their championship game 42 to three. Georgia falls back to, to number three, which I think is fair. Cincinnati comes in undefeated. We know they haven't played anybody. They're in. They've won every game that's been on their schedule. I don't know how you keep them out. Um, Notre Dame was on the outside of that. Uh, Brant, do you think the committee got this right? Not just the four teams, but how they ranked them? Yeah, Dave, I do. Um, I wish we could have seen Oklahoma State beat Baylor so we would have had that Oklahoma State Cincinnati conversation because maybe that I know that Cincinnati eventually is going to move into the Big 12, but they're not there today. And I would have, if I would have been in that voting room, I would have voted for Oklahoma State to go. And that's just because they play a tougher schedule. Um, They would have been a conference champion and they would have had a win over Oklahoma under their belt, something that, um, you know, Oklahoma and Baylor, something that Cincinnati didn't have. They only had the Notre Dame win. Um, and Notre Dame is suspect at best, right? They don't play anyone really either this year. So I think they, they got even, it. They didn't right. even have a good – their old coach walked out. Of yeah, I think they got it right because it was handed to them. Um, it was easy. This was the easy way out. And uh, nobody can really argue it because things kind of went to how they thought it would. Um, best case scenario for them was Alabama to beat Georgia. Georgia stays in Cincinnati and Michigan win. We're good. And that's exactly what happened. So, um, they didn't have any chaos. They didn't have to move Alabama out and put Notre Dame in or anything like that. So, um, if you are a Michigan fan though, you're kind of like, damn, that's the toughest road to hoe though. Um, you know, the way that things shook out, I think they got the rankings right too. Uh, I mentioned the strength of schedule earlier, Alabama was one, Michigan was two uh, in strength of schedule. So, um, you know, it is what it is. I I think that you could have voted Alabama one. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine with me. I don't care. I just wish somebody would just say, yeah, truth be told, we just didn't want Alabama and Georgia to have a rematch with each other in the semifinals. Gary Um, Barta said they didn't want that. They wouldn't do that, Dave. Right. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks, Gary Barta. It's been on point all year. Appreciate you. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's fine. It is what it is. And, and to be honest with you, as a Michigan fan, I am, I'm actually happy that it's played out this way because you know what they have, they've gone through the gauntlet in this last month between having to play Michigan state, Penn state, Ohio state, Iowa. And why not? If you, if you're going to go win a national championship this year, if that is that, which if that is what you have your eyes set on, you, to be the best, you got to beat the best. And, and the bottom line is, is that you got to play the dogs here in this first round or the semifinals, if you will. And you're likely going to, if you win that game, go have to beat Alabama to win a national championship. So you got to go into SEC country and, uh, and, and beat the two head honchos here. So why not? I mean, with the way the season has gone, like I'd, I'd rather have it not I don't want it to be any other way. You know what? I don't want Michigan to be the one seed having to play Cincinnati and then hear the noise of, oh, yeah, but you just you just had to beat Cincinnati to get like, nope, I want all the smoke at this point. I, I, I love it. I love how this has played out. I want Georgia. And my only ask would be this. 
I wish this would be considered at some point. Here's my little, uh, you know, SEC fans aren't going to love this. Georgia, Alabama, got a question for you. Why don't we ever play a game in December where you all have to come up to the north in a snowing game that is just miserable to play where really the dogs come out and it's gritty football. I'm not sure that those, that, that those teams are built the same way. Like we get to go down to Florida. I get it. The other games being played at AT AT&T stadium. um, It's where Bama will be playing right on the turf. I get why they got to play in these, um, in these areas, Miami and Texas, but you know what, man? I would love to the amount of just gritty Big Ten play that I think just goes unnoticed where people just kind of roll their eyes at the Big Ten and be like, oh, God, it's 17 to 10. Like the Big Ten, this, the Big Ten, that like I'd love to see some of these kids come up and play a game in December against Ohio State in Columbus, against Michigan in Ann Arbor, against Michigan State in East Lansing. Like I I really would like to, to see that. I don't know what you think, what you think about that take. Dave, I know we'll get into it later, but some of this could be changing uh, if, if you get that 12-team playoff or, or maybe the A-team or whatever. I mean, you could see some home playoff games in December. Really cool scenarios to think about. I yeah. Agree. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, and and transitioning into that, so I've got – I got a – and this is kind of one of the last, like, big topics I wanted to wrap up with before we get into our bets. So – if you've been following, and it's just no surprise of anybody, so we we talked earlier about like Michigan State playing in the Peach Bowl against Pittsburgh. Can he pick it? Heisman candidate is going to New York. And now you're hearing in the last 24 to 48 hours that Pickett probably not playing in this game. And so it's not surprising. But my question, Brent, is you're going to, I mean, the trend has been happening for years now. You understand it from a player's perspective. As Michigan fans, we saw what happened to Jake Butt. Um, and yeah, these kids are risking their NFL careers and a lot of money by playing in these games. You understand the fans' perspective of what about the team? What about your teammates? Like these guys should be playing in the games. I understand that. The bottom line is, is that this system is broken. The bowl system is, is so broken right now that truly, there are two games that are upcoming that actually matter. And I mean, maybe some of these New Year's, New Year's Six Bowls, yeah, can matter, maybe, depending on the matchup. But you see the best players from these teams that have got them to this point that are like, nah, but I'm good. I'm going to the draft. I'm not playing in this game. And so you've got a bunch of watered-down college football games, bowl after bowl after bowl, and the system is broken. So. If you don't make it to the college football playoff, then what can this system be fixed? And I think it does tie into the conversation of an expanded college football playoff. What are your thoughts on this? So my thought is, well, first of all, I had a text from Clayton that said after the MSU bowl was announced against Pittsburgh, the peach bowl, like, Hey, I'm, I don't care. I don't care that we're going to Atlanta. Like, I don't care that it's on the Thursday before uh, you know, all the big games kick off. I just, you know, Kenneth Walker might play, might not. I don't really care. Kenny Pickett might not play. I don't care. So um, to me, that was an interesting take just because, um, you know, State had a great year, right? And then to have their culmination of their season come to fans that just are kind of like, yeah, I mean, it's a peach bowl. Like who, who really cares about that? But 
You talk about the 12-team playoff. Dave, all right, let, let me tell you how you fix it. This is how you fix it. 12-team playoff, anybody in those 12 teams is not going to sit out a chance to play in the playoff. So where are normally the best players in the college football, Dave? Right, right in those top 12 teams. <laughs> Yeah. Right. And do you care about 13 through 25? I mean, we just watched number 13 or whatever, 15 Iowa play. I'm not trying to watch them play again. Nope. We know, we know what they are. You got it. But what if a healthy Michigan state got Jalen Naylor back? They had Reed Thorne and Walker playing in a 12 V five game. Let's say the five team was Notre Dame. Yeah. I'm watching that. I'm, I'm here for, <laughs> I know he's, I know Clayton's watching that game for sure. Yeah, And then you have the rivalry with it. You have all the great things that go along with this. And I said this before, Dave, it's two extra games for a team, for, for a, a team that has to make a run all the way from that 12 seed or all the way from that five seed. It's only two extra games for the top four teams. It's only one extra game. So you can't sell me on the fact that it's, it's this big deal. Um, for the for the kids you know and we call them kids but now they're making nil money and so we have to realize that college football is an industry this is a money making industry the kids are now being paid they are adults at 18 well some are 17 and they're on the team i get that whatever but you know what i mean these kids are now getting paid it is a product and if the product is if this is the minor league system to get to the, the big payday at the NFL, then these guys need to play in these games. And I, I'm not saying because I want that selfishly, but these are big showcase moments for these kids to improve their draft stock. You know, I think Kenneth Walker probably is a fringe early round second pick. He's probably not a first round pick right now. Say he had a terrific game against Notre Dame, had a great game against, I don't know, the top four, pick one you know, Cincinnati or Alabama or whoever. Um, and then he just vaults himself into the top 10 or top 15 pick. Got to have like a Zeke Elliott, right? The kid has changed his whole trajectory just because the playoff gave him that opportunity. So I think that that is the way that you fix it. And, and the start of that was the NIL. I think that you can add playoff games if the NIL is there. Right, and it's, it's not going anywhere, and college football is changing in that sense. I just feel like it is It's so, a moneymaker, Dave. It's, it a, financial, it's it, a financial institution. Exactly, billion-dollar industry. I mean, it, yes, and, and, and I think that that would help this a lot, just in terms of the sheer fact that, like, yeah, those top 12 teams, more often than not, you're getting not, – not always. It doesn't cover all the best players in the country. You're right, you're still going to have – you know, if if Penn State is outside of that, you know, maybe Jahan Dotson isn't playing in whatever game they end up like you're still going to have it doesn't perfectly fix it, but it certainly puts a big old bandaid over over the problem where really I always equate it to like when we talked weeks ago on the podcast about like March Madness, like. It doesn't matter if you're a Michigan fan, a Michigan State fan, like you watch that tourney when those games come on and it is noon and you're at work, you're tuned in and you are watching every single game that you can from a fan's perspective, you're watching all of it. Imagine college football, because I now I've been more 
in favor of like a six or an eight team, just for the sheer fact that I think that that's maybe more realistic about what sort of jump that they would make. However, the more that I read in recent weeks of like what they're actually discussing is a larger number, like a 12 team or even like a 16 team. I, I think that's probably too much. I'm, yeah, 12 I'm is 12, yeah, 12 is 12 is good. And I think that, you know, the, all these kids would be playing because you came to play college football to win a national championship. So opting out of that game, those games is just not really an option. I mean, maybe it still would be for some of these guys, but I doubt it. Like that's what they came to do put themselves on the biggest stage in the, you know, the biggest moment and win a national championship. So I really am, you know, especially in a season where my team is in the college football playoff with the four team, the way it is sitting at the number two seed, still with the way this is played out, take my fan hat off. I still would rather have 12 teams this year. Um, and, and I love, you know, the different brackets that they, I've seen thrown out there of what it could look like. I'm like, man, I just can't even imagine like watching that bracket play out or like if that was the last few weeks of the college football season, I I would be even more tuned in, I think, to the to the rest of the college football season in the fall. Like when it's not because I'll be honest, like I I watch every single Michigan game. I definitely follow Big Ten games more just in general. Um, but I, I catch Georgia games, I catch Bama, you know, they're, they're on in the background. I watch them. They're good every year, but like, I think I'd be really tuned into watching these teams that are like that eight through 12 sort of like ranking just to just be knowledgeable about them. Cause that's who you could be playing when the stakes are really high. Dave, let me kick you the scenario that would have happened from the last weekend. So the big 10 championship, because it was a blowout, it didn't really mean anything. Well, because Michigan went chalk it would have made Michigan State the 12 seed in that scenario. It would have made Ohio State the nine seed if you let all the conference champions um, be the top six teams. So then you would have had Utah, the Pac-12 champion, playing Michigan State at the 12 seed. The 5v12 seed takes on the number four seed, Baylor. So everything is kind of jumbled up. But why shouldn't Baylor get a shot? Why shouldn't Michigan State and Utah play to get a shot at Baylor? You know what I mean? They just won the damn Big 12. It was an incredible game that, that, you know, it needs to be recognized. People say, well, we want conference champions to matter. This makes it matter more. The 12-team playoff actually makes this more – makes it more credible. Right. And um, so, 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 Yeah, go ahead. Well, just uh, because we're we're running tight on time here, my last thought that I wanted to share was I also think it would just be good for college football, not just for the excitement factor, but from a recruiting standpoint, like it is such a there's a reason why you see Ohio State, Georgia, Alabama, Clemson there every year. Yeah, sure. Is it coaching? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But college football is a monopoly in the sense that these elite programs, they get all the, the five-star, four-star kids because all of those kids, are de- they believe that they're destined for the NFL and they want to go play for a national championship when they're there. Like, why would you go play for a team like even Cincinnati, let's say? I know that they, they're in it right now, so it's maybe not the best example, but like, if I'm a five-star kid, like, why outside of maybe some allegiance to a coach or like I'm from the area, like would I go to Cincinnati when I'm that talented 
with the thought that even if we win every single game, I may not even have a chance to play for a national championship. Like, of course, I'm going to go play for a Georgia or Bama or whomever. Like, I think that it would open up recruiting for a bunch of other teams to be like, hey, they could truly sell it to some of these kids to say, like, we're a French team right now. Like you want to come here and be the best and beat the best. Like we're making a run at this thing to get into the college football playoff. You can sell that to kids outside of just like, they know the household names. Everybody knows in the recent years, what teams are going to be there. Like those kids go to these programs for a reason. I think it would do wonders in that aspect too. And maybe start to chip away at some of the monopoly that exists in, in recruiting, especially in the sec um, with your Georgia Bama's and even like your LSU's that, that type of thing. So you're going to do that to the sec and you're going to have them come up and play December games. Let's go, man. Shots fired. You are taking the sec right down. Sorry, John. I don't know if you're listening, man, but we're coming for you. We're coming for you in the next few weeks, man. I'm, I'm going hard at the SEC. <laughs> um, all right. So wrapping up, we've got Brant's best bets. Uh, no college football this weekend, but we definitely have some NFL games. And you kind of put together some uh, some good deal bets, too, you want to let the people know about. So hit me with it. All right, Dave. So let's start the NFL. Uh, Lions coming off a big win. Jared Goff got over the tiny hand syndrome. He uh, tossed a game. Did he though? Did he? (laughs) Yeah, he tossed a game-winning touchdown with those baby hands of his. Um, And Dan Campbell got out of his own way, uh, puked on himself, but he ended up with a win. But, um, you know, that's neither here nor there. So they're headed to Denver this weekend. Lions laying – or given 10 to the Broncos. Or Broncos are giving the Lions 10. That is a lot. I yeah. Shout out to the Lions, man. They they got their first win. That was amazing. Absolutely incredible. Um, can't see the sarcasm on my face right now. Um, so Broncos having like ten points. That offense is not that good. Like Teddy Bridgewater to Jerry Judy, like Javante Will. I yeah. The Lions are really bad. I know it's hard to play in Denver, but ten seems like a lot. I mean, the Lions look absolutely outstanding at this point. And actually, truthfully, if you look at their stats in the month of December under Dan Campbell, they've actually never lost a game. They're undefeated right now, 1-0 in December. So uh, give me the Lions with 10. So my uh, 12-year-old brother-in-law was telling me, he's like, you know what, people are always bashed on the Lions, but they're the most consistent team in the league. And I was like, really funny for a 12-year-old to tell me that. Right. Um, and I, you know what? I think they covered this, Dave. Yeah, I think you're right. Maybe Denver wins by a field goal, maybe seven, but uh, Lions cover. Um, all right. Our Cowboys playing the Washington football team with a lot of playoff implications here, Dave. The football team wins this one. They're only a game back. So this is a big game. It's a very big game. And Mike McCarthy, who I despise at times, has guaranteed a win that the Cowboys are going to win this game. Um, I don't know. Terrible about idea. What's that? Terrible idea. Just don't, yeah, ter- you don't just, need it. just don't do that. Right. Like don't, don't do stuff like that. First of all, um, I, I think that uh, the Cowboys are going to give Taylor uh, Heineke. I think they're going to give him some problems and he's been pretty good for the Washington football team actually. But uh, I, I think that the Cowboys could get a couple of interceptions on him, maybe a pick six, uh, I don't think this is going to be a super high-scoring game by any means. We know that Washington's uh, dudes up front, Chase Young, they're going to get to Dak, put pressure on him. 
And uh, but I do think that four points, I, I, I will take the Cowboys to to cover that those four points. I think they win by more than a field goal. Um, yeah, I, I am going to take uh, the Cowboys as well. I think Chase Young is out, isn't he? Isn't he tears ACL? Oh, yeah, he's out for the year. Yeah, yeah. that's right. So I, I think I'll take the Cowboys. Um, yeah, to cover the four as well. Uh, Rams at cards, probably game of the weekend. I don't know how many times I have to say the Rams are the game of the weekend. It just, it feels like they're in the prime time slot every single weekend. Um, you know, Matt's going to be there. The other team's going to play defense and they're probably going to catch a couple of his passes. That's what he does in big moments. So, (laughs) (laughs) um, what what do you like, Dave? Uh, I got the cards, uh, given to you know what? I I think that the Rams get back on track here. I think that they get a W. I'm going to take the Cardinals. Uh, Kyler's, Kyler had a heck of a weekend last weekend. Uh, I think he continues it. And In Matt, tough uh, conditions, too. And yeah, he played I, really well. Yeah, he did. Uh, that's what like a nice three, four-week break will do for you. Right. Uh, <laughs> so I will take the Cardinals. Um, Dave, I put on here good deals. Um, some good deals that I saw just floating around there on the apps. Um, what do you think about this one? Plus 270 for the Bengals to win their division. Uh, the Ravens only have a game lead. The, Rang- the, the, the Ravens still have like the Packers on the schedule. They have to go to Cincinnati. Uh, they finish with the Steelers. Um, and there is another tough game somewhere in there for, the, for those guys. Uh, so what do you think about the Bengals winning that division? I think it's very possible. I mean, the Browns are out of it. I'm not putting any money on Ben Roethlis, broken Ben Ben Roethlisberger. Um, it's going to be between the Bengals and the Ravens, in in my opinion. So, um, yeah, I, I I like that. I, I like that bet. I think uh, the Ravens are a little more experienced right now. Bengals are like that younger team. Joe Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase. Um, but I, I I think with you're spot on with what you're saying with the what the Ravens have left on the schedule and what I haven't done is look at what the Bengals have left on the schedule. Um, but I don't I don't hate that at plus plus uh, two seventy. You said. Yeah. 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 And like I said, they get the Ravens still and they get them at home. So, you know, the fans are going to be juiced up for that one. Right. Um, And then I had the AFC winner on here because the Chargers have been a oddly good team this year at times. Their offense, their offense can score 50 on anybody at any time. They are that good. Um, So, so I put them at plus 1000. I mean, you look at some of the teams in front of these guys, Dave, you have the Patriots, you have the Chiefs. Uh, you have the Bills, but are any of those teams that much better than the Chargers, you think? Definitely not the de- definitely not the Bills right now. Um, no, I mean, I think the Chargers are a team to watch out for. Right. For a sleek pick at plus one thousand, that's a that's a pretty nice one. I mean, that one that one you could throw a hundred on and get a quick thousand for it. You know what I mean? Like right, right. If you, if you really are feeling it. And then I just threw in a couple of uh, basketball deals. Uh, the final four deals, a couple of uh, good picks here. Syracuse has the majority of their team back this year, and they are plus 2,100 to get to the final four, which I thought was a nice pick. And I put Marquette on here too. Marquette's already beat Illinois. Um, they beat a couple other really good teams already. And Shaka Smart's their coach. He's a final four coach. Yeah. So plus 5,500. If you'd like to just throw 25 bucks on it, make 500 real quick, you know, be my guest. Wow. I, I'm curious. I, I, I know you probably don't know this because you didn't put it on here, but 
um, with just the the start that Michigan has had. I know they've gotten back on track these last couple of games. I know that they were like the had the second best odds to win a national championship before the season started. But I wonder right now, as of today, if you were to hop on them, what their odds have dropped to? They're uh, plus twelve hundred. Ah, I would I would hop on that. Yeah, <laughs> I would. I mean, why not? I and and I mean you have um, you have out there, and then one of the things that I look at for the basketball stuff is guys that have been to the final before, before like Shaka Smart, like Jim Beheim. I mean, guys that have been through this tournament before. Um, get on these while you can. Yep, absolutely. All right, episode 18 in the books. Give us a follow and a subscribe. Appreciate your uh, support. We hope to get a little more active on social media and get this out there. We are getting around 150 uh, listens an episode now, which is outstanding. Uh, and we appreciate making it outside of our Ovid Elsie uh, bubble and seeing this thing <laughs> kind of explode a little bit. So uh, Garage Takes, we appreciate you. We will see you all. Next week, uh, same time, same place, uh, but just know that over these next few weeks, we will really be hitting hard this Michigan and Georgia game and breaking this thing down. Have a great one. We will talk with you guys soon.